Before we begin our study this morning, let's pray together. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. This morning I want to talk about the power to bless. This week's Torah portion includes the Aaronic benediction, the blessing of Aaron and the Kohanim. And I want to use that as a point of focus for us. We are called to be a blessing. That's what God told Abraham. We're called to be a blessing. We are called to bless people and be thou a blessing. That's a, one of the wonderful English translations of Genesis 12:2, that's captured by the Jewish Publication Society in its classic 1917 translation, be thou a blessing. Now, if you're sitting next to someone who you like, smile at them and say, you are a blessing. You are a blessing. <laughs> and if you want to raise it up a little bit, you can speak these words, be thou a blessing. Good old English, be thou a blessing. Be thou a blessing. Genesis 12, verse 2, records what God said to Abraham, I will, and I'm reading from the 1917 translation, which uses sort of lofty English. I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and I will make thy name great, and be thou a blessing. It's capturing what in the Hebrew is being expressed in a soft but clear imperative voice. Be thou a blessing. Many English translations translate it this way, you will be a blessing, as if it's some future tense or you shall be a blessing. But the Hebrew has a different element to it and says, be thou a blessing. God promises to bless Abraham and his descendants, and he also calls Abraham to be a blessing. Be thou a blessing. This week's Torah portion includes the great instruction about blessing that's found in the Aaronic benediction, and I want to study that together and connect it to the calling of Abraham and the call to be a blessing. Let's study that together and see also some examples of how Yeshua blessed children and his disciples. So let's read from Numbers chapter 6, starting in verse 23. If you brought a Bible with you, um, raise it up, let me just see. I like to see your Bibles, good. I've got, I've got one here, many. I've got more. We've got all sorts of Bibles in addition to the scrolls that we have. So from Numbers 6, starting in verse 23 and going to verse 27, Adonai said to Moshe, speak to Aharon and his sons and tell them that this is how you are to bless the people of Israel, the children of Israel, you are to say to them. So remember this, this is how to do it. And it says, Yivarecha Adonai v'yishmarecha, may Adonai bless you and may he keep you. May Adonai make his face shine on you and show you his favor. 
May Adonai lift up his face toward you and give you peace. And then in verse 27, in this way, they are to put my name on the people of Israel and I will bless them. So this is talking about how to bless, to bless in this way. And it says in, in one translation, thus you are to bless. You bless. How do we do that? We speak. We speak words that are a reflection of what's in our heart and what's in our mind. And it is also a reflection of our faith. We speak these words of blessing. And in this way, the Lord says we place his name on those we bless. And the Lord will bless them. We speak words of blessing. We speak them with faith and trust. And God does the blessing. That's one of the great um, mysteries of the life of faith, that God calls us to do certain things, and then he does them in response to us doing what, we said, what he said to do. And I can tell you this, there are a lot of people who need God's blessing. You and I. We're called to be instruments of bringing those blessings to other people. How do we bless? Through prayer, like this through love, through action, through our words and our deeds together. And let's look at it carefully. May the Lord bless you. That is such a great desire to express to others. I want the Lord to bless you. We're living in a world that's so filled with division and polarization and, and criticism and rejection, to have a different posture is truly radical. To say, I want to bless you, is powerful. And then this next statement, may the Lord keep you. Or another amplified way of translating that, may the Lord guard you and protect you. And think about how great a blessing it is to be guarded by the Lord. Hashomer Yisrael. He's the watchman of Israel. And then this next part, may the Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you. How many can confirm that this world can be dark at times? Amen. And not just the darkness of night, but a kind of spiritual darkness, a, kind, a, a sense even of, of uh, foreboding doom. Things can quickly deteriorate. And we're asking for light and a certain kind of light, the light that comes from the face of the Lord to shine upon us, to shine upon those who we're blessing. And what a blessing it is to have the Lord shining upon us. May the Lord shine his face upon us. When Moses was with the Lord Moses' face was so radiant as a result that it was uh, terrifying to the children of Israel. May the Lord be gracious to you. Gracious, showing favor. Gracious, acting with grace towards us. You know, there are many different views that people have 
of the Lord. One is the, uh, the benevolent white-haired grandfather up in the clouds somewhere who's um, not doing much of anything, but he's got a friendly sort of Santa Claus smile. That's often a visual representation that some people have in mind, but there's another view that people have, and that is that God is this strict judge who is finding fault with us all the time and who can never be pleased. He's, he's a God who is so perfect in all of his ways that he just looks upon us with, um, with anger, with rejection. And so this word, may the Lord be gracious to you, really is meant to undermine both of those views of God. The one of God just being benevolent and having no concerns whatsoever, and the one of God being just strict and harsh and never accepting us. Both of those are not true representations of God. God is gracious to us. He shows favor to us. What does that mean? It means he shows kindnesses to us that are more than we deserve. More than we deserve. <clears throat> now, whenever you face the reality of your own imperfections and your own flaws and uh, mixed motives that we all have, there can be this, this human desire to try to perfect ourselves in order for God to accept us. Because we recognize we're not quite good enough. Well, it's better to get that over with and to say, I'll never be good enough. Now, that's hard for some people, especially... Uh, type A and type AA and type uh, A squared personalities, everyone who takes seriously responsibility and commitment and doing things right and well. It, it's hard to say, I'll never be good enough. And you can always find people who are worse than you if you want to feel better about that and say, you know, I'm better than that Shlemiel. And this Shlemazel over here, you know, But that's not what we're to do. We're not to judge other people in order to improve our position. It doesn't improve our position with God. Rather, we come to terms with something, and that is that no matter how hard we try, we'll never be good enough. But God loves us from the beginning to the end. He loves us anyway. I mean, think about a little baby. If you have a little baby, a little child or grandchild, that child is not good enough. But you love that child anyway, right? Parental love. Love's without reason. It's ahavat chinam. It's love that um, is freely given. That's beyond what someone deserves. 
It's love that overflows from us to the one who we love. And in this way, God loves us. He's gracious towards us. He shows favor to us. He loves us. Now, that doesn't mean that he's um, that white-haired, cloud-riding, benevolent, grandfatherly type who has no moral standards or concerns. He's a holy God. And he wants us to grow up into his holiness. But he knows we will always fall short and there is a remedy for that. It has to do with repentance and forgiveness and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in a moment. But when we're saying show your favor to us and be gracious to us, we are recognizing that God is full of favor and full of grace and ready to receive those who come to him. <coughs> May the Lord lift up his face to you. Lifting up his face. It's an easy thing to understand. It's a, it's a poetic image, if you will. He lifts up his face and he looks and he sees you and he's smiling and he's welcoming you, he's recognizing you. Everyone can do that. You can look around at someone and smile at them. I'm smiling at Anya right now. She can see, she's smiling back, <laughs> chuckling a little bit. Everyone can do that. You can look at people and recognize them. And you can also turn your, your eyes away from people. Maybe you've had this experience of walking down the street and you see someone afar and they haven't seen you and you really don't want to see them. You don't want to talk to them. And you turn your body, you move in a certain way or you've been at a party and you don't want to connect with someone and your body language tells everything. In a sense, that's what we're saying. May the Lord lift up his face and look at you and, and be glad to see you. And then this, may the Lord give you shalom. Shalom, peace. But not just the absence of conflict, the presence of, of goodness and fullness of of goodness. So we're praying in this way and we're asking the Lord to do good for people when we're Praying, we're saying, may the Lord bless you because people need blessing. Who needs blessing in their life? I do. You do. We all do. And so we're asking the Lord to be the source of blessing and we're putting the name of God on people so that they will recognize that they belong to God and that he is the source of blessing because people look in all the wrong places for the blessings that can come from the Lord. But we're praying in this way and we're asking the Lord to do good for people and for them to enjoy all the benefits of a good relationship with the Lord and we're blessing and we know that the blessing that we're asking is really sourced in the Lord. We're blessing but at the end, there's that explanation, you will bless and I will bless them. You do this and I will bless them. So it, it is true that each of us has different talents, different abilities, we're able to be fruitful in different ways. 
We, we, we have different ways of serving, but all of us have been given the power to bless others through our words and deeds. And where does this power come from? It comes from the Lord. The other day I opened up my banking app and the splash screen said, what do you want the power for? And I thought, well, I don't really want your power, thank you very much. I, I do want my money to be safe, but that's not the issue. It's I want the power to bless and um, the banks can't give that power. It comes from God. And it's connected to Abraham and the way that God chose Abraham and Sarah and the way they responded to God's choice. And so it's part of our identity, it's part of our calling, it's part of who we are, it's part of our nature. We are called to bless. We are called to be a blessing. We need God's blessing, it's true. From the least of us to the greatest, it's true about all of us, we need God's blessing. And it's also true about the people all around us, our children, our grandchildren, our brothers, our sisters, our immediate family, our extended family, our neighbors, our colleagues at work, our students. And that's why this phrase, be thou a blessing, is important when we connect it to this last statement, and I will bless those who bless you. You be a blessing, that's the pattern. You be a blessing, and God will bless those who bless you. It's great that Vera is here with us. I remember experiences we had together in the former Soviet Union, in Russia, Ukraine, Belarus. We were also in Hungary as part of Hero Israel Ministries. We were bringing the good news of Yeshua to Jewish communities in that part of the world. And many Jewish people would come to our outreach festivals of Jewish music and dance and respond with open hearts and spirits to the good news of Messiah. And at the conclusion of each evening outreach, people were invited to come forward, and some gave their hearts to the Lord. And it was a time of new beginnings for them. Anya remembers, you were there. Some were wanting to know more so they could understand if they were ready to take yet another step. Sandy and I prayed with uncountable people during those times. And one of the ways that we learned to pray was like this. We would ask people if it was okay if we asked God to bless them. And everyone we asked said yes. And I remember having heard stories from Holocaust survivors in that part of the world and those who were just a remnant of what had been a large family and they're the only survivor. And their life has been so filled with trouble and challenge. And those who lived during the times of anti-Semitism and official persecution, and those who lived under the communist regimes and in totalitarian situations, and hearing their stories and then wondering, well, how to pray and what to do. 
and we learned to bless them. And so we would ask, would it be okay if we ask God to bless you? And do you know everyone said yes? Sometimes we would pray for them in English. Sometimes we would pray in, in the Spirit. Sometimes we would pray and have an interpreter who could interpret into their language if they didn't speak English. And as we asked the Lord to bless them, the Lord would often give us a sense of direction about how to pray that blessing. And so we prayed and we blessed people, and they often responded with tears and with smiles together. It was an interesting combination. And I know for them it was an uncommon experience to be blessed in this way. But I think, as a matter of fact, it's uncommon for all of us to be blessed in this way, to find people who want to bless us, and that's what's in their heart to do. It's so powerful. And imagine if you become known as someone who blesses other people, someone who speaks words of blessing over others. Imagine if people you bless then are actually blessed by the Lord. That's what God is instructing us about. It applies to our children, our grandchildren, our, our family members, and also to others. And whether you do it when they're present and with their full consent, or whether you do it when they're absent, it's your faith-filled words of blessing that are powerful. You know, sometimes you can only bless people from afar because they're not ready to yet fully agree. And out of respect for their sense of readiness, rather than to be intrusive, we speak words of blessing anyway, even if they're not there. And we exercise discernment about such things. Now let me make a little shift here. Not only are we called to bless people, we're called to bless God. To speak words of blessing to God. And you might say, well, how do we do that? How can I bless God? But the whole Jewish pattern of making a baracha, of, of uh, a, a prayer of blessing, is actually blessing God. And it's a way of acknowledging that the good things that we have have come from Him. So as an example, the blessings we say over bread and the blessings we say over wine, they both begin with blessings of God. Baruch Eloheinu. Blessed are you, O Lord our God. Melech HaOlam, King of the universe. We bless God and we start in that way. We're blessing him and we're thanking him for the blessing that we have received from him. We're not blessing the stuff. We're blessing God who has graciously provided us with good things. And we speak blessings also with power, not just to God. Yes, we bless him. But we also bless other people, and we become God's agents of blessing. We have the power to do that, and we're using the power and authority he has given us 
to bless other people. So we learn that our words, spoken clearly and intentionally, can be instruments of blessing. And that's why we can bless our children. We can tell them we love them. We can bless our friends and tell them that we value them. We can bless others and tell them that they're important to us. And we don't have to be vague, we can be concrete. You know, sometimes people give what I call that attaboy blessing. It's got no content. Sometimes people will be very polite to me and say, uh, good message, Rabbi. But I like concrete things, so I'll say, well, what was good? And when, when the answers are, uh, uh, um, you know, I appreciate the attitude, but not the content. And so in the same way, when we bless other people, it's not just general, but it's specific. I love to tell my wife that I adore her. But I also tell her what I adore about her and what I admire about her, what I appreciate about her. And I try to be concrete. And in the same way, we do that with God, we do that with people. And, excuse me for a second, because I just noticed the nice little lizard right here. It caught my attention. It's little, but in Florida, we welcome lizards of certain kinds. All are welcome. Now let's look at the example from Yeshua. We'll learn something this way. Yeshua blesses children. Three Gospels tell us about how Yeshua made a priority of blessing and praying for little children. We'll look at all three short passages. Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. Now people were bringing the little children to Yeshua for him to place his hands on them, and the disciples rebuked those who brought them. So the disciples were annoyed that people were bringing little children to Yeshua to bless them. But it turns out Yeshua was annoyed by the disciples, not by the parents or the children. And verse 14 captures this. When Yeshua saw this, he was indignant and told his disciples, let the children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, everyone who does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter into it. And he took the children in his arms, he placed his hands on them, and he blessed them. Verse 16, he blessed them. He blessed them by speaking words of blessing. He spoke blessings over them. He conveyed blessings to them. This was not the priority for the disciples of Yeshua, but it was for Yeshua. Matthew 19, starting in verse 13, captures yet another example. One day, some parents brought their children to Yeshua so he could lay his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. But Yeshua said, let the children alone and don't hinder them from coming to me, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. After laying his hands on the children, he departed from them. So Yeshua laid hands, he prayed, on, prayed over the children, he blessed them. 
It says, after laying his hands on them, he departed from there. He was not ready to go until he had spent time with the children and blessed them. And then the last passage like this, Luke 18, verses 15 through 17. Now people were even bringing their babies to Yeshua for him to place his hands on them. And when the disciples saw this, they rebuked those who brought them. But Yeshua called the children to him and said, let the little children come to me and don't hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter into it. And so it was in Yeshua's heart to bless the children, it was in his heart to be with children. And so everyone who serves the children in Shabbat school, in the nursery, I wanna commend you. And everyone who serves with, with young people in the synagogue, I commend you, because you're embracing Yeshua's heart for children. Now we're gonna close with a passage from Luke, Luke 24. Give you some time to turn there, starting in verse 44. At the end of Yeshua's time on earth, his last words included blessing his disciples. It was a rich and important time. Let's read about it. Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 44. And remember the background, Yeshua has been crucified and his disciples thought all was lost. And then he rose from the dead and he spent time with them. And this is the record of the last time he had with them. Starting in verse 44, now Yeshua said to them, these are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things that are written about me in the Torah of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the Tanakh. And he said to them, thus it is written, that the Messiah would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. Verse 48, you are witnesses of these things. You saw this happen. Verse 49, behold, I'm sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you're to remain in the city of Jerusalem until you're clothed with power from on high. And this is 10 days before Shavuot, the sending of the Holy Spirit so that we have power. But let's keep going with Luke 24, verse 50. Yeshua led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they, after worshiping him, returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they were continually in the Jerusalem temple, praising God. So this is Yeshua's last moments with his disciples, and let's pay attention to what he does. He opens their minds to understand the Tanakh. And this idea of understanding is to comprehend the big picture so that they would have the big picture about what Tanakh says about Messiah. And that was necessary because in very significant ways, what the Torah, what Tanakh says was different from popular concepts or traditions at the time. 
No one wanted to believe that Messiah would suffer. But it was actually true that he would suffer. And he did suffer. And so this is happening after he suffered and then was resurrected. Yeshua's disciples needed their minds to be open to what the Tanakh had to say about Yeshua. And the same is true for us, and the same is true in our time. There are many misunderstandings and many misconceptions about Messiah. And that's why it is important to build our ideas from what the Torah says and what the prophets say and what the Psalms say about Messiah. It's important also for us to build our ideas upon the teaching of the apostles who built their messages upon Torah. And Hanavim, the prophets, and Tehillim, the, the Psalms. We need to have open minds so that we can understand the big picture and the details to see the forest and the trees. Yeshua wanted his disciples to be able to share the good news about repentance and forgiveness of sins. And here's part of the good news, there is forgiveness. We can be forgiven. And the heavy load of our sins is being carried by Yeshua who is our kinsman redeemer. What we could not do for ourselves, what Moses couldn't do, what Aaron couldn't do, what none of the high priests could do, what the blood of goats and the blood of lambs, the blood of bulls, what none of them could do, God had to do himself. And in order to do it right, he had to be a kinsman redeemer because only a kinsman can redeem according to the laws of Israel. And so God himself came down and became one of us. Many people then and many people now need forgiveness, genuine forgiveness. It's something we're all yearning for to be forgiven. It's something that we can weigh heavily on us. And here's the good news, the forgiveness is available. And it's part of the good news that Yeshua wants us to share. And so, He's preparing his disciples to be able to do this, to share repentance and forgiveness in the name of Yeshua. Not in some other name, because there are some other names that don't offer genuine forgiveness. Jewish names that don't offer genuine forgiveness. This forgiveness is available. And let's focus on then Yeshua's last act. He lifts up his hands and he blesses his disciples, and then he ascends, he returns to heaven while he's blessing them, and he's speaking words of blessing. He's giving a prophetic impartation of blessing so that through this experience and through all that's happening spiritually and intellectually and emotionally and, and prophetically, all of this is going deep inside of his disciples so that they can do much the same with others. But can you imagine what an unforgettable experience it would be that you're with Yeshua and he's blessing you and then... I think it was better than what happened with Elijah. Do you remember his protege wanted a double portion and Elijah said, well, if you see me 
at the end, when I'm going, you can have it. It's not mine to give. We'll see if you're there. Well, these guys were there for Yeshua returning to heaven. Unforgettable. Powerful. I want to close right now with prayer. Lord, we want to be instruments of blessing other people. We want to be your agents of blessing. Please open our hearts and our minds for this calling so that we can fulfill your great plans and your purposes for young and old together in your kingdom, for people from every tribe and every nation, every language, every ethnic group on the face of this earth. Lord, we need your forgiveness. We thank you for the gift of repentance that leads to life. I pray for those who need the experience of this forgiveness. Pour out your mercy upon them in Yeshua's name. Lift off heavy burdens in the name of Yeshua. We thank you, Lord, for your grace, for your mercy, and for your love. In Yeshua's name, amen.